You know, uh, it's just been an awesome, awesome season to, to come together, and, and now that uh, we've been able to kind of lift those restrictions that we had uh, put into place because of the pandemic, it's good to start seeing some new faces come back. So let me just give a, a, a quick invitation for those that are still at home. If you feel comfortable, we want you to come back uh, to be a space. Why is that? Because it's great to be able to be amongst uh, the body of believers, and I truly believe that. If you're not comfortable yet, I get it, I understand. Uh, or if you want to come and still wear a mask, you're, you're welcome to do that. But I'd like to start seeing the church come back together uh, in person, if you're local here, just so that we can feed off of each other's energy as we give glory to God. Those of you that live stream with us from all across the nation, literally, um, obviously continue to do that. If you're ever here in Largo, uh, come see us. We would love to have you with us. Well, as you know, I'm a retread. I'm a, a second career pastor. I've shared that with you before on many instances. And um, I remember that uh, when I went to seminary, that I had two small rural parishes way out in the country. Someone asked me one time, how far out in the country were those churches? And I used to say, go to the ends of the earth, and it's about five more miles. I mean, they're like in the middle of nowhere. I mean, no pizza delivery. I mean, go figure that out. None of that good stuff. <clears throat> and I remember... I grew up in the church, and certainly as an adult, I was involved in the church, and, but I had never been one who spoke often in the church, like on Sundays or, or things like that. So I remember when we landed in North Carolina, one of the pillars of the church, uh, she was the pillar of Fair Promise United Methodist Church, Mackie Paschal. How did I know she's a pillar of the church? Because when she came in, it was kind of like E.F. Hutton. Everybody was quiet, and they listened. And Mackie was a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, she's gone on to the church triumphant now. But I remember her first couple, that first day that I got there, she was coaching me. And she was saying, so here's kind of how we do worship here at Fair Promise. We're going to sing a couple of hymns. Uh, you'll lead us in the creed. We'll do a couple of things here and there. And then we're going to get to the part where it's the sermon time. And that's where you have to preach a great sermon. And I kind of went, goop, you know, I, I wasn't used to that. And I had worked really hard on my first sermon at, at this new church. And so the time came, and, and I was sitting like on the back of the platform area. They had those really huge high back wooden chairs. Maybe, maybe you've seen those in some traditional churches. I mean, it was like the, the back of the chair was like way above my head as I sat down. I felt like a king sitting up there in this thing. And uh, that made me nervous all the time because I didn't like that. So, so the time came, my first Sunday, uh, I got out of that big chair, I walked over to this huge pulpit, and I stood there, and I was so nervous, I think I talked so fast that my sermon was four minutes. I mean, you know, so, th so this is Garrett. Garrett, Garrett crashed the first service, uh, just so he could do that. <laughs> now, Garrett's a great friend of mine, and um, uh, he, he likes short sermons. Well, today's not one, okay? It's a little bit longer than four minutes, is that okay? All right. So, so afterwards, um, I love the country church because the, the folks are always so kind, They're like salt of the earth. Not that I don't like the suburban church, but it's different in the country. And they all came up to me individually, like in a receiving line, wanted to welcome us there and wanted to just say, hey, great sermon. I knew half of them were sleeping because I saw them. And, um, and, and this one little boy came up to me and he looks at me and he says, Pastor Bob, I wanna, when I get older, I'm going to give you some money. And I said, well, wow, this is really great. Yeah, why do you want to give me some money? And he said, because my daddy said you're one of the poorest preachers he's ever heard. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so talk about 
uh, having a big dream. I had a big dream that that sermon, that first sermon, was going to be like knock it out of the park, and maybe it wasn't. So, but listen, we're in our second week of Dream Big. We're talking about um, God's desires for your life. We're talking about how to connect with the dreams that God has for you and how to inspire us so that we don't lose out on those dreams. And I hope that uh, when we get to the, the last message, which is the fourth week of this series, that I really hope that at that moment that you come to a place where you go like, man, God does have a dream for me, and I need to go and chase it. So let me just kind of just ask a question as we're here. So last week, we talked about some of the, like, the roadblocks that come in for, for our dreams and those kind of things. But um, what is God saying to you? What is God nudging you to do? Uh, with regard to pursuing a dream that God has for you. Last week, I talked about some of those things that were the roadblocks. I said that family and friends can stand in our way. And uh, sometimes some of us in the room, we said, yeah, that's, that's the case, that we can want to pursue a dream, but our family and friends are kind of like, don't do it. You can't do that. It's not, you're not good enough or whatever. And I also talked about how life circumstances. So we have a hope and we have a dream and we want to pursue that. But let's say a life circumstance hits us like a move or, or maybe um, a bad health or, or a, um, a relationship that comes to an end. And we just feel like the life circumstance is standing in our way and we can't get there. So a couple of uh, months ago, I, I connected with a professional executive coach. Now, why did I do that? I did that for a couple of reasons because um, you know, I'm at the season of my life where, where I am looking at you know, how I can spend the next leg. So um, a therapist told me one time, you know, it's like a clock. So we spend time from 12 to 6 really working and building upon those things. And 6 to 12 is where we start using the things that God has given us and to use it to the greatest ability. So I connected with this coach uh, who's also a clergy person. And, and what he helped me to do was he helped me to reframe the plans and the things that God is doing in my life and the things that God is preparing. Because I have some hopes and dreams that I haven't accomplished yet, some things that I really want to do. Um, you know, so, and he was really good about helping me look at that, prioritize, to rediscover, and to put into place a plan that would help to get there. So last week I talked about the external things that stop us from pursuing our dreams family and friends, uh, circumstances of life. This week, I'm going to talk about the internal things, the things that we do ourselves. Maybe, maybe we sabotage so we can't get to the dream because things are not clear or we're afraid, or, or internal things where we might convince ourselves that we can't reach the dream. So I want to chair, spend some time talking about those today because I think it's really important to know that there's external things that stand in our way, but there's also internal. And the hope is after today, when we've identified these, we can say, okay, now that I know that those are there, how can I attune my life to where that doesn't happen? So, so I'm going to call these dream killers, okay? So here, here's the first dream killer. The first dream killer is unproven character. Unproven character. So character is so important for all of us. We either have good character, we have bad character, or we have non-developed character so so this is one so unproven so we have to make sure that we're working in our life to a sense that that we are building the character that god wants us to have paul wrote to the church in rome uh, in chapter 5 paul says we can rejoice that when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance paul is saying it's helps strengthen our character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 
So Paul says, in order for us to pursue our dreams, we have to understand that things will happen and that those things that are coming, we can't just throw those out and say that they're not important. But they help build our character and they help build and develop, as he says, endurance. Somebody said this one time, we'll either be ruled by the rudder or we'll be ruled by the rocks. So think about that image. You're in a boat. The rudder steers you away from the dangerous places, but the rudder doesn't protect you in a boat from the storms. It can help you move around the storms, and sometimes the rudder helps you to move through the storms directly to get you out on the other end. So Paul is saying that we need to be reminded that even in pursuing our dreams, even in our life, that we're going to hit storms. That storms are going to come our way. And the question is, how will we navigate those storms? We also need to understand that storms are not bad things. We have to get a gut check for ourselves. So, so think about it. Give, we go to the doctor to get a physical so that we know where we are baseline for our physical self. And, and you know, listen, I don't like to go to the doctor. Maybe you don't like to go to the doctor, but we have to. And we have to see what that is. Sometimes we, we challenge ourselves uh, with, with different kinds of things, such as discipline. And maybe you are a very self-disciplined person. Um, I, I'm not. It's some, some things I am, some things I'm not. And I have to check myself. I don't like to discipline myself when I fail at something, but I understand that that's part of my growth. So Paul says that when we navigate these storms, they build endurance and they build, they build character. So it's through those things that we see that God shapes us to be able to be stronger and prepared to pursue our dreams. So, so that's why the word perseverance is extremely important this morning. Say perseverance. And that's a, that, that brings about proven character. Because when we, when we refuse to surrender to the storms in our lives, when we refuse to surrender to the roadblocks that hold us back from our dreams, it's perseverance that helps us to get where God wants us to be. And that is so vital and so important for us to get to. Here's the second dream killer, pride. Pride, okay? You wanna know the fastest way to kill your dreams? Be overly impressed with yourself. <laughs> Read your own press clippings. Believe all the things that people tell you about how great you are. That's, that's, how, you, that's how you miss out on your dreams because pride stands in the way. Now, pride is something that, that, that there's, we can be prideful about some things, but we need to make sure that the pride is honoring God. It's not lifting us up to be better than somebody else. Mother Teresa, do you remember Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa uh, won that coveted Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize, and she won it because of her extraordinary work with the poor in Calcutta, India. And Mother Teresa um, from what we can see and read about and, and know about her, did not appear to be a prideful person. In fact, anytime people called or anytime people put the light on her to say how great she was, she always wanted to move away from that. In fact, every morning it said that she would wake up and she began every day saying this prayer, Lord, may I truly begin serving you starting today for up to now, I have hardly done anything. I've done nothing. I mean, think about it. Mother Teresa, she's done more in, in just five minutes than I, in, in her pinky than I could do in, in my entire lifetime. But yet she knew that pride could stand in the way of achieving the goals and the directions of what God is calling us to do. 
Paul wrote this, and, and these are important words too, and he wrote this to the church in Philippi. He said, dear brothers and sisters, um, I have not achieved it. So Paul is saying, listen, everybody's talking about how I'm planting churches, I'm, a, I'm an apostle, I was the greatest enemy of Christianity, now I'm its greatest advocate, and, and, and people are like throwing these accolades on Paul. And Paul is saying, listen, I, I'm not buying into that because I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on, Paul says, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. So Paul says that our hopes and our dreams are something God places in our life, but ultimately, it brings glory to God. And that through our hopes and dreams, God's glory can be revealed. So, so we can't like... Um, put our accomplishments on the altar and praise that, but we can certainly put God on the altar and praise him. Here's another dream killer. Maybe you recognize this, we're impatience. Anybody else impatient? I work with a few of those, Pastor Pam. Um, you know, th there, there are, <laughs> she's gonna kill me later, isn't she? <laughs> Is she going to kill me later? Okay. So, so we, we learned that impatience. So impatience is, is one of those. So impatience can kill your hopes and dreams. Why? Because you don't take the time to let it develop. I love the songs that we sang this morning. It talks about how God is, we need to trust in God. God is developing these things. And, and, and our time is not God's time. And we always want to rush to get to that self-actualization or that self um, acceptance of, of look what I accomplished, but God works in mysterious ways to get us there. So our impatience, if we're not careful, can compromise what God is doing in our life. Think about it. Have you ever prayed something and you were so convinced that that needed to happen in your life and you were so convinced that you threw that prayer up to God and it didn't happen in the time frame that you asked, but later on something else did? And you look back on it and you go like, man, that was really impulsive of me. That was very, I showed a lot of impatience. But see, God is more concerned with developing our maturity. God wants us to become spiritually mature. Now, we all start somewhere on the journey of faith. And, and I want to encourage everybody, be on the journey to faith. But we're in different places. But God says, become mature. And every day as we traverse this journey of our faith, we have the opportunity to mature into that. And the promise is that, that God will always give us dreams that are greater than our ability. So we get impatient because we see this wonderful thing that we know is supposed to happen in our life, but we don't have the skills or the abilities or the spiritual weightiness yet to get there. Trust and know that God will always build a dream around you that you may not be ready for yet. Because when you're not ready, what happens? You draw closer to God. You're gonna pray more, you're gonna seek God, you're gonna uh, look for his wisdom and all of these things for your life. You know, think about it for a second. So God gives us dreams that oftentimes we're not prepared for. Let's, let's talk about two people, King David. David was a shepherd boy. So he learned that, you know, all of a sudden Saul is failing as a king and Israel is saying, God, you know, uh, deliver us a king, send the prophet out to find one. The prophet Samuel goes out and he finds this shepherd boy. He's like the youngest. And, and I love the description. It said that he was like uh, muscular and he was handsome and he was ruddy looking, you know. I always aspired to be like David, you know. But, but so, so it, 
he talks about that. But David was like the youngest, and, and it said that he put on the king's armor for battle. And it was like, you know, guys, it's like putting on your daddy's suit, and it just doesn't fit. You know, it's like the arms are out here, and it's baggy and everything else. But God chose David, and God prepared David. God saw what was in David, and God poured into David, and David became the great king. We're in a season getting ready to come into Advent, so let's look at Mary, the shepherd girl. You know, she is just going on with her life, a teenager, probably 12 and a half, maybe 13 years of age. She's betrothed to a man named Joseph, and God chooses Mary to receive the immaculate conception, the Holy Spirit, to put God in the womb of this young girl. Mary's not ready for this. Who would be at the age of 13? Carrying God in your womb. But yet God saw in Mary, and Mary uh, is what we read in Luke's Gospel of, of the Magnificat, uh, or Matthew's Gospel, excuse me, we, we, we read the, uh, the importance of what that meant to her. So what dreams that God has placed before you um, are, are the dreams that God will make happen. So let me ask you a question today. What are you sensing that God has placed in your life? What are you sensing that God is calling you to do? What dreams, what hopes has God placed before you? You know, so is it, is it a career? Is it a, a decision to become a stay-at-home parent? Is, is God, is one of the dreams that God has for you to lead you in a lifelong forever relationship with the love of your life? What is it? Don't let the dream killer stand in the way. Step forward with that. I've, I've had some uh, dreams in my life, and I have to tell you that being a pastor wasn't one of them. I, I you know, talk to Patty. She'll say, I would have never married him if I would have. No, she won't say that, but she might have, you know, 30 years ago. But, but this wasn't even on the radar. But yet I, I know that as God began to develop that, it was one of those things where, where you just kind of step into that. So think about, you know, maybe you're doing what you're doing. You're in a job or whatever, and you can kind of do it in your sleep. It's kind of humdrum. It's ho-hum. You're not being fulfilled. You're not, you're not pursuing anything of a great excitement, but you're just kind of living into that. You know, you get to those places, it creates those kinds of thoughts that stir in your soul. And for me, in the business world, even though I was working in a very entrepreneurial environment, I was excited and happy with where life was going, I could tell that God was doing something. For me, it's, a, it's kind of a restlessness that comes in my spirit. And prayed and prayed and prayed upon that. And, and so for me, you know, it was kind of like one of those things where, where I don't slow down a whole lot to, to do a whole lot of reflection and listening. But God said, you know, you need to stop. And, and I'm reminded of the story of Samuel when he is listening to his mentor, Eli, the great prophet. And God is calling Samuel, and God is speaking to Samuel. And Samuel thinks it's Eli, and he keeps running to Eli. But it's not. It's God. And Eli has the wisdom and says, it's the Lord. Next time you hear God talking to you, Samuel, Stop and say these words, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so sometimes that's what God does with us. God speaks into those moments, and we need to hear so that we can hear the purpose and the dreams of what God has planned in our life. So we've talked about roadblocks. We've talked about uh, dream killers. Uh, I want to kind of switch gears for a second and, and kind of move us into uh, what I call um, these kinds of things that, that happen to us when we're pursuing our dreams. So, so whenever we're pursuing our dreams, 
it moves us out of our comfort zone. All right, so, so you're kind of comfortable with life. You get comfortable in your marriage. You get comfortable in your relationships. Maybe it starts to get a little static or gets a little flat. Maybe it starts to get a little, you take advantage of each other. You don't put the goodness into that. You're not doing that. So, so all of a sudden to pursue God's dreams, God says you have to leave your comfort zone in order to pursue your dream. Bruce Wilkinson, uh, I love his books. He wrote a book called The Dream Giver. This is a book that I highly recommend that you add this to your library. It's, it's a narrative story, it's fictional, but boy, it has an incredible message about how to pursue our dreams. So sometimes, leaving our comfort zone is the only way that we can pursue God's dreams for us. When we set out to pursue the new dream, guess what happens? It regenerates the soul. It brings excitement. It refocuses. And God begins to move into those ways. This is what happened in Matthew chapter 4. So we find Peter, James, and John. We find, you know, all these apostles, uh, soon-to-be apostles. They aren't then. They're fishermen. So their grandfather, their father's fish, their fa father's father, their father's father's father. And it just kind of went on down. Everybody in their family fished, okay? And so that's what, exactly what these guys are doing. And in Matthew 4... God's dream for this small band of people was to no longer fish the way that they always thought that they should fish, with nets and boats. And a guy named Jesus, God with skin on, comes walking up on the shoreline. And he looks at them and he says this. He says, drop your nets. Me drop my nets. If I drop my nets, that's going to create, you know, problems because if I can't put fish in my nets, how am I going to earn a living? How am I going to feed my family? Jesus said, drop your nets. Come follow me and I will what? Make you fishers of men and women. And all of a sudden, to pursue this dream, they had to leave behind what they knew and they stepped out of that comfort zone into what God had called them to do. Looking back in my own life, you know, being in business, I can see how God uh, said, leave the creature comforts of, of what you have now and embark on this new journey. And I can tell you about the risks and everything that had come with that. But again, when it comes time to pursuing the dreams that God has for us, I guarantee you it will always involve leaving your comfort zone. Here's the second thing that I know. When you pursue your dream, expect a desert. Now, notice there's not two S's in that word, because then it would be dessert. You know, hey, expect a dessert. Okay, I'll have a red velvet cake or whatever, you know. No, you know, but expect a desert. So, so whenever you are pursuing your dreams, expect that you're going to get into this season or this time frame where things are going to be very hard. You're going to start doubting yourself. You're going to start getting in arguments with people that are close to you that you love and you care about. You're going to become frustrated because if God wants me to do this and if this is my hope and my dream, why are things so rough? Back to those rough waters again. And you might even say to yourself, I just want to chuck this thing and I don't want to pursue this anymore and I want to go back to the comforts of what I have, of familiarity and of comfort. Well, Moses is a great example about what happens here. Moses was, um, he was called by God to, to lead the people of God out of the slavery of Egypt. We can see it in the Exodus story. And 
So Moses takes these people, he calls down the plagues of God, and finally Pharaoh gives in and says, just, just get out of here. And he takes the people, they cross you know, the Red Sea, he parts that, they see these big miracles, and now they're wandering in the desert trying to get to the promised land, and all of a sudden it's taking longer than they thought. There's that impatience, right? And Moses is at a point now where he's going, God, I saw the dream. I see, I see what you want me to do, and I, and I can see where I'm supposed to go, but, but man, it's just not working out that way. I mean, they're grumbling, they're mad, they're threatening to kill me. Let's look at exactly what was happening here in Exodus 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and his brother Aaron. The whole community. Hundreds of thousands of people are grumbling against Moses. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food that we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Do you see what's going on? They're in a desert, literally. They're in a desert emotionally. They're in a desert spiritually. And they're thinking it was better to go back and live in slavery than to pursue God's dream for them because things were a little bit difficult. The annoyances were there. The setbacks had come, and they were willing to just chuck the dream. Can you imagine if they had just turned around the whole assembly and said, let's go back? God would have said, I'm not going to part the Red Sea a second time, I'm sure. But do you see how this works? The people forgot the promises of God. They forgot the good things that God had planned for them. They were comfortable in Egypt, even though they were slaves. And now they're moving to freedom and they're not happy. So we see that when we pursue the dream, we have to expect the desert. You see, God's promise and provision never leaves. It's there. And that's what we have to remind ourselves in the desert. What was the dream in the first place? Why am I pursuing this dream? I know it wasn't going to be easy, but it's the thing that I'm called to do. Let me share a couple of truths of following your dream now. This is the last part that we've got. So to follow your dream, here's the truth. There's always going to be a cost. There's always a cost. And... Sometimes you have to surrender the dream back to God. What's it going to cost to get there? Not just physical costs like cash, but there's an emotional toll, an emotional cost. There's a spiritual cost. There are relational costs. But what does it mean to surrender the dream back to God? Outside of why do bad things happen to good people or how come a good God can allow such suffering in the world, outside of those theodicy questions, the question I get the most is, is it my will or is it God's will? How do I know? You ever thought that? You surrender your dream back to God. You say, God, I don't want to pursue this anymore. I'm giving it back to you. Even though I'll be blessed, even though I'll make something of myself, even though my family will prosper, I'm giving it back to you because I, I just, I, I got to know it's you, not me. 
And when you literally surrender it back to God and you say to yourself, and you say, I'm not going to pursue this. If it's of God, God will give it back to you. And God will give it back to you in such a way that you'll have no doubt that this is the direction to take. So there's a cost, and we have to surrender it back to God. Here's the second thing. You have to completely trust God. It's not enough to trust God. Let me say this again. It's not enough to trust God. Oh my gosh, the pastor's saying we can't trust God. No, it's not enough to trust God. We must trust God completely. You see the difference? I can say, well, I trust God in that, but then my actions aren't going to speak what I believe. But when I trust God completely, I'm all in. And no matter what deserts come, no matter what storms are out there, no matter what the costs are, I trust God completely. And therefore I know it's the thing to do. Here, Hebrews says, faith is sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. And here's the final thing. You know, God wants you to have a dream. Some of us in the room, some of us watching, We've wondered, what's my life's purpose? I mean, what's my purpose? Well, God has a dream for you. Discover it. Draw close to God. Ask God, help me to see the dream that you have for me. Or God, this thing is stirring in my heart, and, and, and I want to surrender it back to you because I want to make sure that it's not to glorify me, but it's to glorify you, so I'm giving it back to you. So God, just help me to see what the thing is to do. God wants you to pursue your dream. The reason why many of us don't pursue our dreams is because of the storms, the self-doubts. We find ourselves in the deserts. We want to chunk it because, well, it's just too hard. But God says, pursue your dream. Here's what I know, and I want to leave this with you. God's dreams for you will never die question is, will you respond to them? The big difference there, will I respond to the dreams that God has given to me? And if you respond to the dream, trust this, God will fuel the dream. Dream again, but dream big and trust that God will make it happen. Let's pray. Lord God, I feel like there's so many dreams that are being held captive in the lives of your people. But I trust in you. And I pray for my brothers and sisters as they come to this place in their life to know that they can trust you more than anything. And I pray that they can pursue their dreams and to know that you will be there along the way. May they look beyond the obstacles. May they look beyond the deserts. May they look beyond the costs. May they look beyond all things and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.